Hello, oh, hold on. Hello, everybody. Today, I'm once again joined by uh, Dr. E. Michael Jones. We had him on about a month ago. I'm happy to have him back. Today, we're going to be discussing uh, the ongoing events between Russia and Ukraine. So, um, how are you doing today? Good. Good to be here. So, um, I'm just kind of just to start off. Uh, what's your overall view on it? I don't think I've heard anything so far from you. Uh, well, this is a, the culmination of a long, sad story that began with the collapse of the Soviet Union uh, in order to bring about a peaceful transition. Uh, the United States, uh, James Baker, the uh, uh, secretary of state under George H.W. Bush, said that uh, tried to calm the Russian fears. And he told uh, told Boris Yeltsin that uh, NATO would not move one inch eastward. No, not, I mean Boris Yeltsin, I mean Mikhail Gorbachev. And so uh, that went pr uh, uh, peacefully. There was no uh, war at that point. And the uh, United States and NATO simply lied when they said that, and they immediately started to move uh, eastward to extend NATO membership to all of the former countries in the Warsaw Pact, uh, and kept moving inexorably eastward until they reached uh, the red line. The red line was basically the Ukraine and Georgia. In 2007, uh, Vladimir Putin went to Munich and told them that uh, under no circumstances would he accept either Georgia or the Ukraine becoming members of NATO. The United States not only ignored uh, this statement, they put $5 billion into uh, subversive agents in the Ukraine to undermine the democratically elected government. And in the late 2013, 2014, they orchestrated violent protests in, in Kiev uh, to overthrow the government. They eventually succeeded. And after that, they put in a puppet government, uh, which uh, immediately then started to militarize the Ukraine. The Russians kept pleading with the West, please don't do this. You know, let's talk. Their, their, their uh, demand was very clear. We want neutrality. We cannot accept a militarized Ukraine with missiles pointed at Moscow that would reach Moscow in a matter of minutes. And the United States kept, um, kept ignoring them. Now, there's an element here. Of uh, Well, who is doing this? Well, the lady who was responsible for the uh, Maidan revolution, it was called the Orange Revolution, it was a color revolution, was Victoria Newland, wife of Robert Kagan, Jewish lady with connections to the neoconservative cabal that had taken over the White House under George uh, W. Bush. Uh, she was handing out cookies uh, as the uh, goons that she was paying were basically uh, killing people in, in the Ukraine. Uh, she installed a Jewish puppet, first president. And now after that guy left, we have another Jewish puppet, uh, Zelensky. Uh, we sent the United States sent a Jewish secretary of state to negotiate with the Russians and what we see here now is the colossal failure of American diplomacy, because you can't delegate it to uh, supporters of Israel. You can't delegate it to people who go into the negotiating table 
uh, go up to the negotiating table uh, with the idea in the back of their mind that I had relatives who died in the Holocaust. Can't do it. You're going. To, it's going to fail. And it failed colossally. All the Russians are asking for is neutrality. And they simply couldn't bring that about. And so because they couldn't succeed at the negotiating table with something very simple, uh, Russia uh, said this is the last straw and they invaded the country. And now we are in, a, uh, in the middle of a huge propaganda barrage that is basically uh makes the COVID propaganda barrage look like a walk in the park. It looks like Mary Poppins by comparison. Right. Yeah. I heard you. Um, there was a video that I think maybe it came out yesterday or the day before you were talking with a priest and you said that basically, um, F, correct me if I'm wrong here, please, but uh, that ever since this Ukraine thing started, the whole entire uh, Canada trucker brigade, that whole thing kind of went out the window, right? Right. So the news cycle is one of the main purposes of the news cycle is to make you forget what the last item on the news cycle was. And the last item on the news cycle was Canada. Everybody was obsessed with watching the trucker convoy and then. Uh, once again, Justin Trudeau overplayed his hand with the trucker convoy. So there's a debate. um in Parliament, should we extend the Emergency Act? And this Jewish member of Parliament stands up and she says, I'm Jewish. I had relatives who died in the Holocaust. And these truckers, they're Nazis. And honk honk means Heil Hitler. Now, you can't talk to people like this. Okay, as soon as someone stands up and says, I'm Jewish, I have relatives who died in the Holocaust, that's the end of the discussion. At that point, all you do is capitulate uh, or say, walk out of the room, or as the Russians did, you send in the troops, because there's no point talking to people like this. That's precisely what happened in Canada. Okay, those, I guarantee you, those truckers were not Nazis, they were Canadians. And when you escalate, when these people like Trudeau said it first, he said they're Nazis, he played the Holocaust card. As soon as you play the Holocaust card, there is no discussion anymore. He refused. He demonized his own people. He called them Nazis. He engaged in identity theft. And the, the vehicle that allowed this is the Holocaust narrative, as that Jewish lady made clear. Now, that uh, guy, Trudeau was uh, a fool. He had no political understanding whatsoever. If he were a savvy politician, he would have done what Boris Johnson did in England, which is basically recognize. First of all, he's in trouble because he's not wearing masks at parties. He's going to go down uh, a victim of his own COVID narrative. And he simply says, no, COVID's over. And he took back the pow political power that they had given to the medical bureaucrat, took it back and said, no, I'm in charge. It's over. And that was that. And everybody cheered. It is over. It's over the minute you say it's over because it was a manufactured crisis to begin with. OK, so but Trudeau is a day late and he's a dollar short and he gets caught up in his own COVID narrative. The people found it intolerable. Now he's got a big demonstration on hand. OK, uh, it's what is he going to do? The truckers are illegally parked. 
does he give them parking tickets or does he uh, call out the firing squad? Well, because you have the Holocaust narrative in play here, you can accuse that you can send them to the firing squad for a parking ticket. That's precisely the point of the Holocaust narrative. He got caught. He looked like a fool. He lost whatever authority he had among the majority of the Canadian people. And the and he, the, the COVID narrative went down in flames. And oh, wait a minute. Change the channel. We're not going to talk about that anymore. We're going to switch to the Ukrainian uh, issue. And now that's all we're going to talk about. Well, we got the same problem in the Ukraine, as I said before. Don't send your negotiating team in if they all believe that they have relatives who died in the Holocaust, because they're not they're not going to succeed and you're going to have a war. And that's precisely what we got. So uh, do you have any idea of like where this is going to go, like how long this might last, where are the results of all this is going to be the war? I mean, OK, as of now, uh, the last shred of credibility has disappeared from the Western media, because if you listen to the Western media, they, we have grannies. I'm, I'm serious here. There are grannies, Ukrainian grannies wearing yoga pants with wooden AK-47s, and they've stopped the Russian tank brigade dead in its tracks. And all, basically all that's left is just a celebration. We can all start popping the champagne course because it's over. The Russian offensive has stalled. All you have to read any, uh, listen to any of the major media outlets, and that's the story. Well, it's not the reality. The reality is that the Russians have simply uh, taken over. They've encircled 10 to 12 Ukrainian divisions uh, in in the southeast. Uh, they've cut off, uh, they've established a land bridge from the Crimea. Now they've taken over Kherson. They basically cut off the eastern part of the Ukraine. They've, they've encircled Kiev, the capital. There's an ex exit way out, which they control by their artillery and their air power. So they're allowing the civilians to leave if they want to leave. But uh, sooner or later, they're going to close it. And then the people in there, the uh, Ukrainian army or these crazy militias like the Azov Brigade, the Nazis. Oh, wait, these are good Nazis. I forgot to tell you. These are good Nazis. Those truckers in Canada, they're bad Nazis. No, they're not Nazis at all, but we'll call them Nazis as a way of demonizing. Now we have real Nazis collaborating with the Jews who run the Ukraine, uh, but they're good Nazis. So these people... Uh, these when they're encircled, these groups, whether they're the regular Ukrainian army or the Azov Brigade, all the Nazis, they will be given the alternative of uh, surrender or die. And if they don't surrender, uh, then they'll close the they'll close the cauldron, they'll close the gap, and they will annihilate these these people. That's what's going to happen. Right, and you know, I find it kind of weird that. Uh I'm just trying to think what the motive could be behind, like, the Western media trying to make it look like that Russia is not doing a good job with this invasion. Maybe it's because they don't want to look weak or something. I'm not sure what the motive behind that could be. The, the motive, well, we go to the heart of the Western regime, which believes the truth is the opinion of the powerful. Right. Uh, that's what they believe. OK, so if we say it, it's like performative speech here. 
if I ha- if I am a minister and I say I now pronounce you man and wife at a wedding, you're a man and wife because I said so. So if uh, this is the the paradigm for the Western media, truth is the opinion of the powerful. So if I say that three Ukrainian grannies have stopped a column of tanks, it's true because I said so. Now, what you're going to see here is the collapse of that narrative. What you're going to see eventually here is that, no, truth isn't the opinion of the powerful. Truth is the correspondence between the mind and the thing, as St. Thomas Aquinas said. And so the mind, if you want to call the mind the media, uh, if that's the mind, then the thing is the facts on the ground uh, in the war that is going on in Ukraine. And that's completely different. And so you're going to have to align yourself sooner or later with the facts on the ground, which is that basically the Russians have now taken over the eastern part of the Ukraine. They're going to stop, as far as I can tell, at the Dnieper River, and they're going to engage in the demilitarization and denazification of the Ukraine. And there's nothing that the West can do about it. I mean, Biden last night announced we're not sending troops in. Uh, I just learned today that uh, uh, Mr. Stoltenberg, who's the head of NATO, had to rush off to Poland to tell these guys, don't send them uh, MiG fighters. Don't send the Ukrainians MiG fighters. The Poles are always hot-headed and irrational when it comes to Russia because we're not getting involved in a war there. If you're not getting involved in a war there, uh, how long is the propaganda ministry going to be able to disguise the fact that the Russians now control the Ukraine? And also, that you should have sat down and agreed to do this at the negotiating table because now you're going to be faced with a fait accompli. Russia, uh, Ukraine, Russia is going to ensure that the Ukraine is neutral and deweaponized. Neutrality is their demand, and they're going to get it by force of arms. Right. So, yeah, I think we could definitely see like um, a split between uh, eastern and western Ukraine. Uh, One side, I guess, would be under Russian control and the other under the western control. I I also um, I see a lot of people. and This is kind of like a mainstream narrative going on that, oh, Putin. And it's not like a defense of Putin or anything. This is just kind of looking at it from an objective geopolitical uh, point of view that oh Putin's lost his mind he's going crazy I don't I think and you mentioned this before like I don't really think that makes sense I think he's just concerned that you know military missiles can be placed at the Ukrainian border like that's a obvious geopolitical concern right uh, so how do we interpret uh, these statements everything has to be looked at through the lens of the Holocaust narrative. Because that is the defining uh, paradigm that makes sense of all events. So what are we talking about? Putin has lost control. Putin is raging at his generals. Do you know what they're talking about? They're talking about Hitler and his bunker. Okay, that's the story that is being superimposed on the situation in the Ukraine. It's not true, but that's the story that we're that these people are paid to tell. Uh, the famous uh, clip from. Uh, the German movie Untergang, you've probably seen it, where Hitler is kind of raging at the generals, uh, ordering, uh, uh, to, ordering them to deploy divisions that don't exist anymore. This is the paradigm that's being posed on Putin, and it doesn't work. I've spent a lot of time trying to distinguish between categories of reality and categories of the mind. Okay, in order to have the truth, they have to coincide. Okay. But that's uh, uh, the, just one of the major battles 
no matter where where the conflict is, is basically imposing categories of the mind, imposing your categories of the mind on your enemies. So exactly what happened in the trucker situation. These are Canadian, the working class in Canada, and the Jewish lady steps forward and agrees with Trudeau. They're Nazis. This is identity theft. They're not Nazis. It's preposterous to say that. But when you play that game, you better be careful because it will return to bite you. And this is precisely what happened to the Jewish lady. Her her video where she says Hong Kong means Heil Hitler, that's gone viral. And it exposes the weakness of this group of people. And, it's, and it, it, it gives you a lesson as to why they are not reliable negotiators. Right. I mean, yeah, they just kind of want to use, you know, the whole narrative World War Two just to kind of, you know, once they use that because it's so potent, especially now, it's uh, a really good way to delegitimize people and basically destroy any any genuine movement. You know, there's obviously all those truckers and, you know, it wasn't just truckers. It was, it was a lot of just like also Canadian families, too, coming out like, yeah, I don't think those Canadian families are out there. Uh, supporting national socialism they're out there because they're concerned over lockdown and the covid thing but they just want to turn everything into like some uh everyone's some kind of national socialist or whatever it's kind of right so what you so the big picture is what you're seeing is the collapse of that narrative they wore it out they wore it and they used it one too many times and what we're seeing here is if you would simply sat down and talked with these people and come to some reasonable agreement, you would have avoided all of this type of stuff. But because you didn't, now there are going to be serious consequences. And the serious consequence is going to be, we don't know where, where, what seeds to the future, but at least it looks as if there, we are going to establish the, the uh, eastern border of NATO. It's not going to go any farther. It went this far. It's not going to go any farther. It's like that moment, the defining moment in August when the United States had to get out of the Af Afghanistan. These are signs that the American empire is receding. OK, now how it recedes and how quickly it re recedes is something that uh, is up for grabs at this moment. Right. And uh, in regards just to uh, Russia and Putin alone, do you think they are um, – how should I say this? Do you think that they're in the right here or do you think that they're just kind of just concerned for now? I mean, what, what's your just opinion on Russia in general? Well, you could have focused this a little bit more by saying is uh, what about the just war? Is this a just war? Who's who's in the right here? Right. Was it, uh, who is who is fighting the just war? So uh, you could look at, first of all, the tactics. The uh, initial barrage uh, that Russia unleashed was all against military targets. This is completely the opposite of the way America wages wars. So just take recent examples. Take, uh, take Iraq, for example. Uh, they had a, a, what was it, a 70-day bombardment, I, 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 days, weeks weeks of bombardment where they destroyed the total infrastructure of Iraq so that they could just waltz in and, and take over. Uh, and so that was called, considered a great, great victory. They did the same thing in Serbia. 
during the 1990s, NATO waged war against Serbia by 70 days of bombardment, uh, to completely destroying the infrastructure and all of these ecologically sensitive types like the Green Minister, uh, the Green Party Minister in Germany, Mr. Ecology, Joschka Fischer, presided over the uh, blowing up of uh, sewage treatment plants, p- polluting the Danube River and so on and so forth. Complete hypocrisy. This it goes all the way back to World War II, where the strategy was to destroy the civilian population, attack the civilian population. These are war crimes. These are war crimes. And the whole Holocaust narrative came into existence as a way of distracting the world from the war crimes that the Allies had committed. The firebombing of Dresden, the firebombing of Hamburg, the atomic bomb attack on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And you add to that the behavior of the Russian army, the Soviet army, as it swept through Eastern Europe, raping and pillaging at the uh, uh, at the behest of Ilya Ehrenberg, the Jewish commissar who told the soldiers to to attack the civilian population. All of these things were weighing heavily on the mind of the world, and it all got erased by the Holocaust narrative, where the only people who did anything wrong were the Germans, and then they created this story about gas chambers and so on and so forth. That's the way. So there's there's the first part. And then secondly, Uh, There's likelihood of success. I think that they calculated very accurately that they did know that they could succeed. They have consistently throughout the war, this incursion, have tried to spare the civilian population, have not just destroyed the cities. I saw uh, a video yesterday of a man who was in Kiev. It's intact. Now, the problem here is that you've got the other side. Now, that side, the heroic, our side of this story, uh, led by uh, Mr. Zelensky, the Jewish comedian, and uh, he's handing out uh, AK-47s to the civilian population. Well, uh, so the the report I got yesterday was, well, guess who were first in line? There were criminals who stepped up, got their AK-47 and immediately used them now to to uh, rob and and pillage uh, 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 Kiev. Now, if you're using these tactics, don't expect uh, that there will be no civilian casualties. There was a, one of the propaganda photos we saw, saw was this attractive young lady in her yoga pants standing at the balcony with her AK-47. Well, it turns out it was a, fo- a fake photo. It was phony. It was propaganda. It was taken years before. And this lady is a representative of parliament, and she's saying she's not uh, engaging in any of this type of activity. But this is what the government is urging, the Zelensky regime is urging its people to do. They're all going to die if they get caught out in the street with an AK-47. But furthermore, if they're taking artillery pieces or big uh, heavy-duty weapons, they're putting them in civilian, heavily populated civilian areas, and that's going to cause civilian casualties. Now, from a moral point of view, the people who are responsible for the death of those civilians are not uh, the Russians uh, because they are it's the people who have put the weapons in uh, civilian areas. They're the ones who are morally responsible for it. Yeah. And uh, this is what I was thinking 
could it possibly be the case that they want to arm civilians because they know that they're not trained, that they're going to get killed? And that way, once they get killed, they can use this as an excuse to, you know, scream war crimes at the Russians or something like that. That, you know, that, that might be like they are anticipating them getting killed. So that way they can have kind of a, you know, an excuse to scream war crimes when in reality, them arming them was kind of their fault for like Right. It is it. Yeah, I think you're right. I think they will use this. There'll be plenty of people rushing out, and there will be that granny there in her yoga pants lying dead on the street with her AK-47 next to her, and that will be called an atrocity on the part of the of the Russians. Now, who gave her the, – the, the person responsible is the person who gave her that AK-47 in the first place. You can't – we're talking about the problem – problems intrinsic to irregular warfare as soon as you get involved in this you're going to have an unstable situation where lots of people are going to get killed this is why uh why armies wear uniforms right this is why you have a a unified chain of command because if you don't you're going to have all kinds of crazy people out there killing indiscriminately and that is just very difficult to control. This is uh, the British uh, military historian talked about this in his book. Uh, and he talked about uh, what the British did with the Spaniards during the Napoleonic Wars. They armed. That's where the word guerrilla or guerrilla comes from. It's little warrior. It's a Spanish word because the British armed these people and suddenly they realized, wait a minute. Oh, we can't get the weapons back now. Oh, well, now what? Well, it's not our problem. That's Spain's problem. And Spain had to suffer with that problem for the next century because these groups did not disperse. The other classical example is Osama bin Laden and the Mujahideen in Afghanistan. Oh, I got a great idea. We'll put, we'll give these people weapons. We'll give them stinger missiles and so on and so forth. Uh, uh, okay, the war is now over. God. Oh, wait a minute. They're, they're not giving us back their stinger missiles. Well, wait a minute. So Osama bin Laden, you probably are shocked to realize, went on to be a problem for America for decades after the war in Afghanistan ended. Because you weaponize them and then, uh, wait a minute, how do you de-weaponize them? It's not like a light switch where you turn it on and you turn it off. You could also say this about blacks in the cities of America. Okay, they were weaponized. They were turned into the guerrilla warriors during the 1960s, uh, thanks to Sergeant Shriver in the Office of Economic Opportunity, who gave a million dollars to the Blackstone Rangers in Chicago, even though he knew they were involved in criminal activity. So you create what Marx would call a a kind of lumpen proletariat among the black people, which means people who engage in random criminal activity and they become a problem that you simply can't deal with. We still can't deal with this. Now you have the the re-weaponization of this lumpen proletariat by George Soros, who gives uh, $33 million to Black Lives Matter, and they go out and they engage in criminal activity. And by the way, uh, that's good criminal activity, according to Justin Trudeau, who took a knee in support of Black Lives Matter as they created $2 billion worth of property damage in Canada. 
It shows the hypocrisy of these oligarchic stooges uh, uh, promoted by Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum to rule over the Canadian people in their interest. It's just loathsome, disgusting. Right. So it's essentially, you know, the, the West complains about these problems, but then they don't they don't realize that essentially, well, you're the cause of them. If you didn't do this, this wouldn't have happened. Um, you know, arming people that can't be trusted. It's like it's just it seems like a recipe for a disaster uh, in regards to Ukraine and Russia. I think we pretty much covered most of the stuff with with that. So I guess we could kind of wrap it up here. Just thank you for uh, for coming on today. I appreciate uh, you giving your input here. And uh, if there's anything else you want to add, feel free to. Yeah, uh, it, if you want to help yourselves uh, create categories that will allow you to understand things, I recommend the books that I've written about all this type of stuff. Uh, Slaughter of Cities, which would talk to you about how the blacks got weaponized by the government. Uh, libido dominandi, sexual liberation, political control, uh, the Jewish revolutionary spirit. We have the second edition of that, which will explain the continuity between Canada, between Newland and Zelensky and George Soros and all of these people. Uh, you can get these books by going to culturewars.com or fidelitypress.org. They're all available there, and this will give you the background you need to form the categories of reality you need to understand what's going on. Yeah, uh, and actually, before we end it here, I, I do see that you've been appearing uh, a couple times back on that Modern Day Debate channel, arguing with people who are pro-pornography um, and, and stuff. Right. So, yeah, in the future, uh, I'd be interested to have you on to talk more about, you know, kind of deconstructing the arguments of these degenerate people. So that I think that would be interesting for the audience to hear. Yeah, that'd be great. Okay, but thank you. You're welcome. Send me the link. I will. Bye -bye. Okay, bye-bye.